0: Money doesn't grow on trees is an expression we have all heard at some point in our lives. It might be something our parents told us, or in turn something we tell our own children when they demand things that are too expensive. But according to the author, transformational coach, and yoga teacher, Ezra B. Ogut, the reverse is actually true. Money does grow on trees. Ezra, a former shoe sales girl from Turkey turned millionaire living in Los Angeles, believes that success is just a matter of personal choice and the key to this is simply learning how to make that happen. This can be done by removing those self-imposed limitations that block us from success and hide the money that is just sitting out there on trees waiting to be picked. So how do we break those self-imposed limitations to ensure that we can all achieve prosperity? Welcome to Pocketful of Durham. I'm Alice Hayne, and joining me today is the author of the new book Money Does Grow on Trees, The Myths Recreate, Ezra B. Oakard. Welcome to the show, Ezra. Hi, Alice. Thank you so much for uh, having me. Now you had an interesting start to your career. You were working as a shop assistant selling shoes. Before I came to the US,
1: um, I was working in a TV channel. I just kind of wanted to live the American dream. So I came here... Uh, In my kind of early 20s, I wanted to study movies. So I was a student at UCLA and, you know, not having the work permit and just kind of, you know, wanting and daring to make it on my own. I came here just to like, no matter what, I'm going to live the American dream. (laughs) So uh, based on not having a work permit, I had to just take whatever job I could in order to be able to pay rent. But money
0: was an issue uh, always in my life. So for you back then, because I understand you actually despised money, why was that?
1: Well, uh, you know, Alice, I wasn't consciously aware of how much I despised money. It was only after I started working with my mentor, through our sessions, I came to the understanding that I had made many decisions in my life, which unconsciously separated me from any possible flow of abundance. I mean, I didn't have a background where my parents were poor. They weren't like incredibly rich either. But regardless, me and money just had a way of never being able to meet no matter what was going on in my life.
0: So what do you think motivated those negative thoughts? Was there anything particular that you think kind of made you feel that way?
1: I think if any of us out there are having problems with finances in any level, in any way, for some people, it's like a constant struggle. For some people, they you know, manifest in a way where, where they are just able to make the ends meet. And for other people, maybe they have lots of it, but even they have a wall that they might want to go further out of. I believe not just about money, but whether it's our health, whether it's our sense of self-concept, whether it's about relationships, whether it's about money, we make a lot of decisions when very, very early on when we we're just children based on whatever is going on in our lives. I mean, we all come here, you know, we have various experiences and out of those experiences we're having, we make certain choices that then we consciously forgot we've made. But yet, those choices, like almost like a computer program, is in the background running the game, allowing us to create our reality according to those myths that we have chosen to create. I think the best way to go is to give, you know, examples. So for me, it was about a conversation that was happening among certain grown ups where they were talking about an there was an arranged marriage that was going on and a very young girl was being married off to kind of a rich doctor. And the conversation was along the lines of, you know, while well, women shouldn't marry for love. Only stupid women do that. Uh, a woman should, you know, marry according to status and what kind of saves her life. That's the smart thing to do. You know, something along those lines. And as a seven-year-old watching that, hearing that, uh, I remembered when I was with my mentor and kind of like going into the discovery process that as only as a seven-year-old, I heard that conversation and I specifically made the decision, oh my God, I'm going to be one of those that only follow love and therefore I have to say no to money.
0: So there's a negative thought there towards money, but there were some other insights that you gained from a, a near-death experience when you were a teenager. Can you tell me more about that?
1: Uh, sure. The experience over there was um, when I kind of had that experience of drowning, uh, I got to a point where I completely left the body. And again, love is, I guess, an important theme in my specific life, because as soon as I was, I got out of the body, I saw almost like a movie trailer, moments where I had given love or received love. And at that moment, I understood the importance of love. And when the experience went further and further, um, I also saw that in the spirit form, we absolutely have no limitations that we've picked up on the earth through whatever it is that we've experienced. So I experienced a sense of incredible, incredible freedom and realizing that we are all the universal energy individualized in the here and now so I kind of got it how what powerful
0: energies each and every one of us carry inside but at the same time you had that feeling and that sense but it wasn't until later in life that you realized the significance of that so if we go back to your early career after you'd made that big shift to chase the American dream you also looked at becoming an actress and that didn't quite work out in the way that you'd intended Can you tell me what you learned from that experience?
1: Well, that experience, um, what I learned from that is that again, I was, you know, in the US wanting to have the American dream. Uh, I was more, I studied directing actually, but I loved acting and I had definitely done quite a lot of it in Turkey, but it wasn't really panning out much in in the US. Um, After kind of this four to five years of struggle, of you know, actually doing great things, being in great projects, working with very prominent names who you know, seemed to really love everything you know, that I did or had to offer, I just still wasn't able to make any money. <laughs> so I kind of got really done with the struggle and kind of began to hear all those negative voices in my head in regards to, oh, I'm not good enough, and you know I'm never going to make it, and, oh, whatever I do, money doesn't come. And I realized that, you know, before I go on in my life, I need to go on a journey of healing. So that's when yoga got into my life. That was the first kind of turning point, first to heal the
0: limitations inside of me. So that's the beginning of the shift. I mean, how does yoga help you make money? I mean, that's a, that's a key question here. Well, I mean, it's not, the, it's not the
1: yoga that did. But first of all, what the yoga did was it allowed me to raise my frequency. So the more that my frequency was able to rise, the more I became aware of certain things. And later on, really what allowed the shift to happen was meeting my mentor, Daryl Rutherford, who allowed me to discover the story I was telling at the beginning of the meeting. Uh, Allowed me to understand that I had a belief system that money and love don't go together and that I will always go you know, in the direction of doing what I love and always say no to money. And I realized at the age of, in my mid thirties at this point, that money was not not coming into my life because it was so hard or there was, you know, I couldn't manage it. No, because I had made a clear decision to stay away from money that was in my unconscious mind. So becoming aware of that was the turning point.
0: So when did you start making money and become a millionaire?
1: Oh, uh, well, it was kind of after I became aware of my own limiting story and it was also there was another belief system right there that came from watching a lot of Turkish movies where all the good guys are, you know, poor and all the rich guys are always, you know, the evil ones. So there was another impacting belief system. I want to mention that as well. Uh, that, you know, kind of money is the root of all evil. So when I saw these stories that I had picked up about money or I had decided to believe in about money, um, just by realizing that, oh my God, a seven and an 11-year-old is running the game of my entire financial experience and relationship. But when you have an awareness like that, there's no way on earth something doesn't begin to change because you step away from the illusion of your own set-up beliefs And that creates an immediate freedom. So then it was just about working on myself that I was doing with my mentor and my husband. And step by step, uh, through clearing these belief systems, through making what we call a new being choice to belong to abundance, stuff just started happening.
0: So you live in Los Angeles now. How do you earn your income? The workshops
1: that we give. We teach people how to get, uh, to discover and to set free their own limited belief system. So it's the workshops and um, we have a very big certification program teaching people to do
0: what we do. We teach transformational coaching. So you do that with your husband and business partner? Yes. So, and the pair of you have worked with a number of celebrities and corporations. You've even worked with Turkey's governmental institutions. Why are they turning to your services? Well, that credit goes to my husband. (laughs) Um, I
1: started transformational coaching and then he was inspired to join me. Uh, He wrote a book in Turkey uh, and that sold over a million copies. It became very popular. It basically wrote about the journey that me and him had through our awakenings and realizations. So when a book gets that kind of an attention, then it kind of reaches a lot of people. And therefore, we got to,
0: you know, work with a whole range of different people. So for your book, Money Does Grow on Trees, how does it help people, others, you know, perhaps myself or anyone that's listening, how does it help us create our wealth?
1: Well, I think it's an inspirational book, because there's a lot of stories of people who were having the Limited experience of abundance, who were able to jump into really big, big, big numbers in just a year, a year and a half. There's a lot of stories of physical healing. There's a lot of stories of relationships changing. So, first of all, it's inspirational. Second of all, it has a lot of exercises that say if somebody really takes the time to do it, it brings the kind of awarenesses that we're talking about, not maybe to the level of a workshop or a certification. But um, the couple of people before it was released that read it really did have certain even physical healings happening. So really, it's up to the person if and how deeply they choose to connect with the information. And if they're willing to do the exercises, that's about exploring
0: one's own consciousness. So can you give me an example of one of these exercises?
1: Uh, Sure. One of the exercises we do is when we claim we really, really want something, this could again be anything, but since the subject is money, let's put it on money. And it's just not happening in your life. We often think, oh, it's not happening because of the economy, it's not happening because of this, it's not happening because I'm not educated, it's not, you know, we have all these reasons. For me, it was like, it's not happening because I don't have the work permit in the USA. But these are like the outer excuses as to why it's not happening. So one way to understand what our own resistance and chosen separation might be from the subject matter of our desire, a good exercise to do is to close your eyes and really in great detail, imagine your life with the thing that you so-called really, really want and see the one thing that actually irks and bugs you because that's often related to the belief system sitting in the unconscious mind. For example, a friend of mine was complaining about not being able to make money. She had, you know, gone to many workshops it hadn't been working. She's like, I just can't solve this. I just can't manage it. So we were sitting for coffee and I said, you know, what if it's not that you can't manage? What if it is that you don't want to make money and you just don't know it? And she's like, oh, don't be ridiculous. I'm like, come on, let's do an exercise. So I had her close her eyes and I had her put herself into a picture where she has incredible amounts of abundance happening every day. And her physical reaction is she started sweating. And I'm like, okay, so what's the sweating about? And she's like, oh my God, I feel so much shame. I'm like, okay, so what is the shame about? And she was like, oh my God, I believe that if I have more than just enough, then others will have less because of me. So she figured out her belief system as to why she was rejecting the flow of abundance in her life. For example,
0: that's one exercise. So these limitations that we are placing on ourselves, they can be based on where we're from, the wealth of our parents, or just these thought processes that we've had growing up through our lives that we're not aware of.
1: Um, Alice, I would say, of course, I mean, our environments influence us. But more than that, it's not about what we experience. It's about how we respond to what it is that we've experienced. The possibilities of what can happen are infinite. And out of those infinite possibilities, the decisions that we have made, good ones or limiting ones, decide the trajectory of what we're experiencing.
0: So that I often hear about get-rich-quick style books, you know, books that are going to make us rich quickly. How is yours different? Thank you
1: for that question, actually. I love that question. Um, And I say it straight in the book as well at the introduction. I really think transformation is a process. You know, doing solutions actually do not take us out of our boxes. It's a new being state that we can arrive through awareness that actually makes the shift of something changing in an amazing way. So do this, do that. You can do until the cows, you know, come home. <laughs> but, but if, you know, you have belief systems sitting in there, rejecting what it is that you want for this or that reason, then it's just not going to happen as much as you do. I really worked so hard and did everything I could, you know, to earn just enough to even pay my rent, and I couldn't until my state of mind changed. And we call that a being choice. When you make a new being choice, it's almost like, you know, imagine you're a train going on a train track, you know, and it's obvious which stations you're going to hit. Well, when you make a new being choice, what happens is that whole train jumps onto another rail, and now you're dancing with very different possibilities than what was possible before. And the puzzle is you. nobody else.
0: So can it also be a little bit like goal setting? For example, I had a a set of life goals that I made about 15 years ago, I decided I was going to move back from the UAE to the UK at a certain point, I was going to live a certain way. And I was going to educate my children a certain way. And at the time, it really didn't seem particularly possible. But I just stuck to that belief consistently that that was what was going to happen. And it has happened. And now I'm thinking, wow, how did I make that happen? But it has happened. Is it a little bit like that or is it more than that? It's it's a, like that's a part
1: of it. But what you're describing, I would go beyond calling it goal setting. That's what we call being choice, kind of a decision we make with all of our being as to what we're going to belong to next. I mean, the same thing happened to me with my move to the U.S. It was impossible for me to come to the U.S. because my parents didn't approve of it, you know. Uh, So they weren't going to send me, I had to, you know, and for many years, it didn't happen until a moment in time. uh, And I'll never forget the moment I was pouring some coffee in this TV station I was working at. And I said, you know what, this possibly cannot be my life. I am going to the US no matter what. And once I made that decision different than a little different than just goal setting or, you know, in the mind. All the doors open for me to be able to go. All these miracles happened where I was like literally flown, you know, to the US. (laughs) And so that's what I think it is. I think you also made a being choice. I mean, how would you differentiate it
0: from goal setting when you look at your journey? I don't know. I just, I set this plan and I said, this is what's going to happen. And I told everyone that that was going to happen. And I told my husband that was what was going to happen. And then I... I had a few wobbles along the way thinking, well, can I really make this happen? But then I thought, no, 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 I can make this happen. I was absolutely convinced. And then it did happen. And it all, it's now, we're now living that, that kind of plan or whatever you want to call it. And now I'm thinking, well, I now need to open myself up to the next set of possibilities. So it's, I'm now trying to move it on again. Well, that space you're
1: talking about is, I think, the key and the magic of manifestation because you see... You didn't say, I was hoping I'm going to go. I was wishing I was going to go. It's a state change where, as you said, I was convinced. And you're not even like, you're basically declaring it to people. What's going to happen to you next? So when we're in that state, it just happens each and every time. All the help to help manifest that begins to flow from the universe. That's what we call a being choice.
0: So for those people who do have those limitations, who say, well, I can't do this because of this, or I can't make this happen because of that, how do they dismantle them? I mean, you talked about one of the exercises. What, what else do they need to do? You know, it's, it's too long to explain and just,
1: you know, one, one question, because there's all these different, different pieces of it. But one important thing I find, which is very easy to do, especially regarding prosperity, but regarding anything else, is to train ourselves to be in a state of gratefulness. For example, when I was making only $1,000 or $800 teaching yoga a month, I got into this thing where I said, you know what? I'm going to be grateful for everything in my life every day for 15 minutes. First, be grateful for what already is. Second half, be grateful for what I would like to happen as if it's already happened. So we sat down and started this exercise together with my husband uh, and we committed to it for one year. Again, we're talking about state change rather than a how a state change that, you know, needs some time to gradually get there. Um, and this was, you know, I think in 2007, yeah, January, 2007, I was making around a thousand dollars a month. By the end of that year, I was making $15,000 a month by just Constantly getting myself into a state of gratefulness, feeling rich. Because we can think of life as a mirror. The way we look at it is the way it responds back to us. So, one of the keys of creating abundance is to start seeding it from within. If you feel it, no matter what your circumstances are, eventually you're going to begin dancing with it. It's the law of attraction, law of correspondence.
0: It's just the way it works. So to go from $1,000 a month to 15000 I mean, obviously you've opened yourself up to those possibilities, but w- what was actually making the money? Was it yoga or was it was the other elements that were coming into your life? At the time
1: I, I had yoga going on. Um, and so when I started doing these exercises, just like more and more and more and more people showed up. Then the inspiration you know, to begin coaching came from another person. Somebody just like, you know, had seen the changes in my life. Um, I was at that time in Turkey for a couple of years. She just pretty much convinced me to start doing coaching with her. And I didn't really, you know, I didn't have that plan. So I started with her. It went fantastic. She was an agent working with a lot of, you know, celebrities and actresses. She loved what was happening to her. So she, you know, uh, told about me to other people. And then, you know, it just started kind of snowballing from there. But I didn't know the how. I didn't have a goal that's just going to be this and that and that. I just very succinctly, with my husband, committed to a state of gratefulness for a year. And everything kind of changed.
0: So uh, would you ever be able to disclose to us what kind of celebrities you've worked with? Never, because that's private. (laughs) (laughs) So if if we all read your book. And, you know, are we all going to get rich? Is this this what's going to happen next?
1: Absolutely not. (laughs) Because, you know, the power isn't in the information. The power isn't in me. The power is in the choice of the person. I mean, I think the best way to choose books or to courses or jobs or anything, you know, we can think of is to just look at something and see if we resonate. If we resonate, that means there's something there for us. So you know everyone's at a different place in their life, different frequency, different you know consciousness. Um, but when there's the will, there's the way. When there's the choice to what we belong, as you know so well from the life experience you were sharing with me, everything opens up, and it could be my book, it could be another book, it could be anything on in the universe. It just takes us, our own selves, to create that magic.
0: So for our listeners tuning in now, what three things would you tell them if they're looking to open themselves up towards making money?
1: You know, for different, again, levels it's different information, but I think one of the number one baby steps is that if we're living in debt, do or die to get out of the being choice of the person living in debt is very important. To say no to being in debt so that you can step into the next step. We can think of the being choice kind of like pregnancy. You know, we cannot be pregnant and unpregnant at the same time, or we cannot be, you know, overweight and skinny at the same time. It's either one or the other. So we cannot be in prosperity as long as we're somehow in our actions, in our beings, in our choices, committing to debt. So that's very, very important. The second step I would say, which is kind of more, you know, a doing practical part of this whole thing, is to get out of the spender's law. This means that every month, do or die again. This was a huge turning point for me as well, making sure that there's more income coming in than income than money going out. So basically being in positive cash flow allows us to stay in a state of positivity in regards to finances. And the third thing, again, is to ask this question. Who would I be being if I were already abundant? That's a very, very magical question. And to discover what are the belief systems that I have chosen to believe that are holding me separate from the things that I want. And then we understand that we are really creating our own reality.
0: Thank you this week to Ezra B. Ogut. If you would like advice on your personal finance issues, you can write to me on pf at the national.ae And remember that PF stands for personal finance. Please do subscribe to the podcast in your podcasting app to receive weekly updates. And also leave us a review so we know what you think. This episode was produced by Arthur Edison. I've been your host, Alice Haynes.